Well, thank you, Pastor Jung, and it's good to see you guys. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, last night with you guys. I don't know if you enjoyed it, if you found it to be encouraging, but I was really encouraged and blessed by you. Uh, just two reasons why I always say yes when uh, when I'm given an opportunity to do something like this is because nobody asked me. And so uh, what limited opportunity I get, I will say yes, because I'm not a well-known speaker uh, within our circle of friends. And so um, and so when there's an opportunity, uh, I'm a little bit shocked. I was wondering what Pastor Jung was smoking that day, but uh, to ask me and consider me, but I said yes. And the second thing is also, I just tell all my church people, you know, uh, whenever there's an opportunity to serve and, and to be a blessing, you should always say yes until the Lord stops you for whatever those reasons. Like if you have an opportunity to be, do, a, do a mission trip, you know, you're always calculating, oh, do I have time in the summer? Do I have all these things? And and you're always thinking about like, can I do it? Can I do this? I've got a job internship. I just think you should always say yes until the Lord was, until he stops you. And if he does stop you for that op- from that opportunity to serve, then he'll make that very clear. And so with this opportunity, uh, nobody stopped me. The Lord didn't stop me. And, and um, it just felt like, and it gave me a chance to connect with Pastor Jung and, and to meet you guys as well. Uh, I'm in my office today because um, just less distraction uh, and also, you know, when you're singing, it's hard to really hear yourself. And Pastor Aiden is leading us in singing. Like, um, you know, he's got such a strong, smoothing voice, and I love it. And I, I'm singing, and I pretend like I'm, I have a good voice. But then uh, my kids were laughing in the background. I, I think they're laughing at me. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I, I wanted to come here with less distraction and where I could really sing my heart out. <laughs> well, with that, let me uh, see if I can share my screen with, with you guys again. And um, uh, let me. See. can you guys see that? Yes. Okay. So uh, tonight, uh, I want to, I've been praying and, and I wanted to speak on a message called um, just promises. And it comes from Romans 8, 28 to 39. And, and this is God's word for us this evening. And so let me just read it for us. Romans 8, at 28 to 39, and this is God's word. Uh, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined, he also called. uh, And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall, set, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is he that condemns. Who, is, who is it to condemn? Excuse me. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? And I'm just going to add COVID-19, right? You know, Um, or the sword as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is God's word. And, and I'm just going to jump right into our message. And, and I, I just really was praying about how can I... Um, through our time together and through the word of God, always through the word of God, encourage you and and to continually be emboldened to press on, persevere, and to continue to live the life that God has called you to live. And so, and I, and this passage really came to my mind, even like uh, a few weeks ago, as I was thinking about this retreat. And, And I thought about how God's word is full of promises, promises, Covenant promises that he gives to us. You know, we live in a culture. The reason why this is relevant is because we live in a culture that doesn't really believe in promises anymore, right? Like almost like, you know, we just came out of a very, um, uh, very tough political climate. You know, we're still in it. 
uh, politicians pretty much base their whole campaign on false promises, right? I don't know if you know of a singer named Demi Lovato, and um, she sings a song called No Promises, right? I don't know if you know that song. And, and so uh, I, I looked up some of the lyrics and it goes something like this, cut me up like a knife and I feel it deep in my bones, kicking it high, but I, but I love even harder, you wanna know? I just wanna dive in the water with you, baby. We can't see the bottom. It's so easy to fall for each other. I'm just hoping we catch one another. Oh, Nana, just be careful. Nana, love ain't simple. Nana, promise me no promises. Oh, Nana, just be careful. Nana, love ain't simple. Nana, promise me no promises. Now I can keep going, um, but I'll just stop there. But you get the point. You know, she's saying, don't even make a promise. It's not even worth it because you're not going to keep it. And I think our lives are, you know, you've probably uh, experienced broken promises in your life. We're, our lives are littered, in fact, probably with, you know, people promising something or saying that they will do something and they never kept it. And maybe it's from your father, your mother or your friend. You know, how many times have you been uh, uh, disappointed by something that your boss would say he would do or your professor said he would do or something that even your friend says he or she would do for you? And maybe you are someone that broke your promises. I mean, we can't keep our words these days. That's sort of the the, the culture of our day. And she, this artist is singing about that. Don't even promise me. No, promise me no promises because, you know, you're not going to keep it. Opposite to that, you know, my dad, my dad is a promise keeper. My dad is still alive and he's with me, thank God. And you know how like um, growing up, you know, my, some of my friends were PKs, you know, they're pastor's kids. And then you've got MKs, missionary kids. Well, I was a, a DK. I was a dry cleaner's kid. <laughs> my father owned a dry cleaning business and I was a DK. And I don't know if you know anything about dry cleaning business. It is hard work. And my dad had to work long hours. He would wake up early in the morning and go to early morning prayer at his you know, church and then go off to work uh, you know, to start the, the dry cleaning machines. And he was there all day. And then after work, he would go to church for some evening meeting. He was a deacon and then he became an elder. And then, you know, he would come home and sometimes I would never would see him even through the whole day. But, uh, you know, my dad was uh, just a typical Asian American father who was a workaholic. And, and because of his small business, dry cleaning business, he could never um, spend a lot of time with me and my sister. Well, growing up, you know, I, I remember like I played a little league baseball one year and, and lo and behold, I made the all-star team. And the whole season, my dad didn't come to any game. But in the all-star game, which was at the end of the season, I really wanted my dad to come. I wanted to, I wanted to show off my skills. And so I begged and I begged and, my, and I begged. And my dad was saying, he's so busy, he can't do it. And then, and I just, you know, just kept persevering. I just kept begging him to a point where he just, you know, gave in and he said, I'll be there, but I'll be late. And then I said, pinky promise. And he gave me his pinky promise. And in our family, we knew that my dad, who didn't say much, he was a very... Um, an introverted man, but when he made that pinky promise, he was always, he always kept his word. And, and, and so I, you know, and, and so I had to even like ask my sister, uh, Olivia, and I had to ask her, Hey, Olive, you know, do you remember a time when dad made that pinky promise? And like, did he ever, did he, did he always keep his word? And my sister was like, yeah, he always kept his word. And that was one of the things that I really truly respected about my dad. So even in my Ulster game, he was late but he made it to the game. He closed up his shop a little bit early. He came out to the game because he made a pinky promise. And, and until this day, like I, I still can't, for the life of me, I can't remember a time when my dad promised something that he never kept. And, and, and to me, like I, 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 and I respect that. And my dad isn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. And, and still one of the things that I do want to learn from him was to, is to become a man who is a man of his words, right? And, and now I'm a father myself, and I want to try to do that. I want to try to be a promise keeper. You know, I don't want to be a promise breaker. And that's something that my dad showed me. And the reason why I talk about my dad, you know, this is a picture of my dad uh, with my youngest. And like my dad it always kept his word. 
always kept his word. And in that way, my dad reminds me of our heavenly father, because the Bible tells us that our God is a promise maker and he is faithful and keeping all of his promises. Now, that might not blow you away. Like that's like old news. You already know that. If you are a Christian this evening, you know that he's a promise giver. He's a promise keeper and he is faithful. But you all got to remember, this is an important thing for us to not forget. That this is important for us to continue to remember that, that promises are important to God. He gives us covenants, essentially divine promises. And if it's important to God, then it's important for us as well. The Bible, which is his perfect word, uh, you know, has many promises. And it talks about even in Psalm 1, we don't have time to go there, but like talks about that even in the winter seasons of your spiritual life, even though it seems like exteriorly, like externally, you're not growing, but even in the winter seasons when it's cold and when it's dark, when it's hard, the root can go deeper. You can still grow, right? And that's a promise that if you are connected to a water source who is God himself, who is the living water. And so in our passage that we just read, there are some really great promises. For example, Romans 8.28 says, for we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, why would Paul write, even write that first? There's a great question, isn't there? In verse 31, it says, it says that, um, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? What's the answer to that question? Because without a doubt, you know, although the point being that God is powerful, he gives us victory over our enemies, but it's important for us to see that there are definitive things that are against us, right? Verse 35 says this, right? So tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, for your sake, we are being killed. We are being murdered. We are being slaughtered all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And so we are being, the people of God are being killed and slaughtered. And I assume that those who are doing the killing and the slaughtering are against us. They are, our, they are not our allies. They are our foes. Well, who is against us? And this is not just a, mis- a physical thing. I think there are so many other things that, that, that we're talking about here. But who's against us? The devil is against us. Satan, demonic forces, our sinful flesh battles and fights against us. If you were to ask me, friends, like, what is your biggest problem? And I would say, it's not, you know, my church. It's not, it's, it's, it's not my marriage. It's me. It's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. I am my biggest problem because within me, there's a sinful flesh that continually battles um, against the Holy Spirit that's within me, right? Who's against us? We are at the opposite ends with the ways of this world, with the age of this world, right? We live in a, in, in a culture, in an age of relativism, you know, a postmodern context. Who's against us? Well, people are against us too. Right? Things are against us. Things stumble us. Circumstances, situations. We experience setbacks, discouragements, COVID-19, pandemic. I mean, we have trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the sword. And we are being attacked from all different angles and directions we are being killed and slaughtered because oftentimes let's just face it being in the family of god bearing the name of christ being a christian can lead to a very difficult life i think life in general is is tough but sometimes being a child of god can make our lives even more difficult i just got an email this morning from some of my missionary friends by the way i noticed some of some of your pictures you partner with the same missionaries that we partner with. We love Milo and Natalie in Thailand. We love, I just had a Zoom time with Joe and Joyce in Jordan. And I, they, there's dear friends of ours and we've gone out to them. And, uh, but I, we've got some friends in missionary, uh, missionary friends in Turkey. And they just got from after being there for 12 years, planning a church in the city of Malatia, they just received a deportation order. And it, it, it's, it's not difficult to know why. It's because of their faith and the work that they're doing in that country. It's really tough to be a missionary today. But I would say it's, even, it's, it's tough as well to be a genuine follower of Christ 
here in North America, right? I mean, we, we, we live in a very challenging time in North America as Christians. And we're not maybe being attacked in the same way as maybe our missionaries, but the media, comfort, money, careers, pursuits, pleasure, all of these things which are maybe not bad in of themselves, but so often become idolatry in our lives. We're bombarded from all different directions, being attacked spiritually constantly. But friends, our, our passage tonight reminds us that our Heavenly Father gives us some amazing promises to hold on to, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to um, persevere. Demi Lovato says, promise me no promises because you ain't going to keep them. Promises are, are of no use. But there's another song out there with the lyrics that go, we are building our lives on the promises of God because his word is unbreakable. Our hope is unshakable. We don't stand on the problems of life or in the pain of life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. Well, let me give you three promises from our passage just to encourage you. Number one, it's this. The first promise is it's just simply, it's all good. It is all, it is all good. That's the first promise. And, and it, it just means that all things uh, God works for are good. And that's found in verse 28, isn't it? It talks about God promises that all things, everything, everything, all the good things. So all means all there, everything, you know, all the good things and all the bad things. God says somehow he's going to work for the good of those who love him. So that means, you know, all of our trials, all of our setbacks, all the things that have gone wrong in our lives. And we wonder, God, like, you know, what possible good can you bring out of that situation? God will use for our good. You know, uh, I look around in the world and, you know, sometimes it's so hard reading the newspaper, right? There's so much pain, uh, so much suffering. Um, you know, uh, there's people in my church right now that are uh, on the verge of divorce. It's heartbreaking. Uh, we've lost in the last maybe two and a half, three years, we've lost um, maybe three church members to cancer. Maybe Elise would know this. We, we buried Toby, uh, one of our youth group students who was only 15 or so because of cancer. That was a hard one. A little over a year ago in, in November of 2019, before COVID came, just in front of our church, we had, uh, well, at our church on a Thursday night, we had a college ministry meeting, one of our ministry meetings. And a couple of our students, five of them were in a car. They drove somewhere and ate food and things hung out together. And then they were driving back this way. They were you know, going this way in front of our church to go to University of California, Irvine, which is right next to our church. And the guy sped too much and, and uh, his car crashed into a tree right on our church property, burned. We lost, we lost, we lost students. We lost three students, three, three funerals in like two days, three days. One of them is still recovering. That was the hardest time I've ever faced in ministry. There's so much pain and suffering. Um, loss of jobs, pain, suffering, heartache, headache. You know, the world is full of tragedy and trauma, isn't it? But even in my own life, you know, I wonder, you know, some of the things that, that the valleys that I've gone through, I wonder why God, why would you allow that to happen to me? You know, but I'm not God and I don't know his sovereign ways. I don't know everything, but I'm reminded that he does. And all I know is that when everything is said and done, and when I look back, I'll be able to say that God has done all things well, and I'm going to worship and praise him so. I really believe that. Let me give you a couple of uh, examples from scripture. Uh, just how God works all things for the good. And I think about the guy, uh, Joseph, in the Bible. You may remember him from the Old Testament. I mean, if you think you had some bad brothers, if you, uh, if you, if you are mad at your siblings, <laughs> it ain't nothing compared to this guy, Joseph. 
uh, his own brothers sold him. Can you believe that? He's out of jealousy, you know, and he got sold off and then he went to, you know, he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife and then he was thrown into jail and then the jailers, you know, the jailer uh, forgot about him and things like that. And, and long story short, you know, he ended up become second in command in all of Egypt through God's providence. But it didn't just happen overnight. I mean, it took years for him to uh, get there. But I'm, I'm sure in many of those times, he, he must have wondered, God, what did I do? You know, you just gave me a dream. All I did was share that dream. And my own family members sold me away. And then here he is in second in command and he sees his own brothers. And, and if you know the passage, you know how it goes in Genesis 45 in verse four and says, I, he's revealing himself to his brothers. He's, he's saying, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Verse, you know, in chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, right? God flipped it, right? He worked all things for the good. I think about another character in the Bible named uh, not Job, but Job. <laughs> Job, he lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost his family. He pretty much lost it all. And yet at the end of it all, at the end of uh, in the book of Job, in Job chapter 42, and God reveals himself and pretty much God says to him, you know, Job, you have no right to question me. Are you the one that put the stars in the sky? Are you the, are you the one that caused the waves to, to crash uh, onto the, the sand? No, you don't know. I'm God. You're not. And you just don't know my ways. And, and Job, Job is humbled. And then he says this really powerful uh, statement in uh, Job 42. Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely uh, I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but my eyes, but now my eyes have seen you. You know, that's a powerful statement. There's a difference from, you know, hearing about somebody from actually seeing somebody. And really, it, it really connotates this understanding that when you see somebody, you really know that person, you know, you know back in the day when, when, um, you know, when my, my wife and I were getting to know each other, but before all that happened, she got wind of me through friends and we were kind of set up. And so back in those days, there was something called Zenga.com, which was kind of like an online uh, journal thing. And so she was like uh, stalking me, right? You know, when she had this like formula, I don't know how, you know, and then she would stalk me and kind of know, but there was like, but I could, like she could check if I was looking at her post and, and I was looking at her post because I wanted to know who is this girl, Virginia, right? Uh, from the state of Virginia, <laughs> from the city of Virginia Beach, Virginia. And she was stalking me. I could tell she was checking me out because, you know, everybody, there was three different people that were telling us, hey, you and this girl, Virginia, would be a perfect match. And, and so lo and behold, like she was hearing, you know, uh, all these good things about me. And she was like, yeah, yeah all these things. And then when she, when she met me, she, you know, I blew her socks off. <laughs> uh, I don't know if she would confirm that but <laughs> it might be the other way around like okay it's the only way around i heard all these great things about her and then when i actually saw her i was blown i was like oh my 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 you know who is you are so beautiful and, and, and so there's a difference from actually some of us you have heard a lot of things about god you know but do you really have you seen god with the eyes of your heart do you really know god have you seen him with the eyes of your heart? Or do you just know a lot of information about God? You know, you have a lot of information filling your head, but there's a, the longest distance is that eight, the eight inches from your, your brain to your heart, right? Do you know him here? Or do you just know him here, right? I think Job had an experience where even through his tragedy, even through all these things, he was drawn closer where before he heard about God, but now he has actually seen God. All things for the good. I think about another fellow named Paul. Paul is probably one of the greatest church planters ever. You know, he, you know, great missionary, the greatest missionary who walked the face of the earth. Paul was, and, you know, Paul wanted to go to uh, the city of Rome so desperately as an evangelist, as a pastor, but he ended up going to Rome as a prisoner. But, it, but, it, and it says in Philippians 1 verses 11 and 12, 
Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am chained for Christ. And, and what histori historians believe is that as he was chained or as he was in house arrest, he would you know, preach the gospel because that's what all Paul did was say the gospel, preach the gospel. And as these Roman guards were converted, you know, many people believe that at that time the Roman Empire was expanding and these people who were converted, these soldiers would also take the gospel and would, and would send it out. They would go forth to other places in the world. So he became an evangelist, just not the way he thought it would go. I think the greatest example is, is Jesus, our Savior. I mean, if you were one of his disciples, you know, giving up your career as a fisherman or whatever you were doing as a tax collector, and you follow and you give up everything, you live with this man for three years, you hear his teaching, you've seen the crazy supernatural things that he's done. And you think that he is the one that's going to bring the Roman rule, the Roman empire to an end, the Roman control an end. And he's the, 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 the Messiah, the, the, the promised one from heaven, the Christ. And then, and, but then you see him on the cross dying a criminal's death. What would you have thought, right? What seemed, but what, we, what they didn't know is that what seemed like a loss turned out to be our greatest victory, the cross of Christ. What is foolishness to man has become our wisdom, right? 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of God. I bet Satan was like drinking a beer and so happy. Oh, this is it, ultimate victory. Little did he know by Jesus dying on the cross, it was actually the ultimate victory belonged to Christ. And for those disciples, they must have thought, man, what, can, what good can come out of this? Our master is dying on the cross. Our savior is literally bleeding to death. He's dying on the cross. What good, what possible good can come out of this situation? But little did they know that, that the word of the cross is folly, but it is that cross became the greatest salvation, power of God. I don't know about you guys, but you know, even in your life, I'm sure, I mean, you can look back to some difficult moments. It's in the valley, isn't it, that, that you go, whatever you go through, the storms that come into your life, it's actually in those times when you actually really are drawn closer to God that you really do grow the most. It's the same thing for me. Like when I look at my own life, I often wonder what good can God bring out of this situation? All things, the Bible says, all things God works for the good. All the evil done against you, all the difficulties and the pain, all the seemingly, you know, seemingless, pointless setbacks, all these things, God says he will work for your good somehow. Now, Tim, Tim Keller, who is a well-known writer, preacher, New York City says this, God hates evil and suffering and has a plan that will defeat it, but we can hardly see any of it. It is hidden too deeply for us to see much of it at all. The people around Jesus' cross also shook their heads and said, I don't see how God can bring anything uh, good out of this. Listen, every setback is just a setup for a great comeback because God is still at work. We just can't sometimes see it. But God is at work. He will redeem. It is all good. The second promise that God gives to us. It's not just, it's all good. It's forever ours. It is forever ours. In other words, all the good things that we have now in Christ can never be taken away from us. Man, that is, I love this promise. It, it means that God gave us his son and his love and it, no one and nothing can take that away from us. You know, when I was a youth group student, I still remember this. Um, I fell in love as a youth group student with this girl in our youth group. And she, I was told that she only loves spiritual guys, right? She only likes spiritual, she was attracted to spiritual guys. And so, look, true story, whenever we had Friday night youth group meetings or Sunday youth group services, and I would intentionally sit in front of her. And at the first strum of the guitar, I would raise my hand as high as I could. <laughs> and I would sing as loud as I could. And I would like, and, and, and you know, I would, you know, just pretend I was holy and spiritual. But 
uh, really in my heart, I was wondering, is she looking at me? Is she noticing me? <laughs> and, and, and it got to a point where, you know, I don't know if you ever, but I would pick up, uh, we had these little flower bed next to our church building. I would pick up a flower. This is so silly, but I remember doing, the, I would play the flower love game. You remember like you pick a petal off the flower that like, she loves me. She loves me now. She loves me. She loves me now because I, you know, I was so confused and I was so, I, I wanted this girl to like me so much. And, and, um, and so, but sometimes we do the same thing with God and, you know, and his love for us. We play, you know, we, we play that game. Oh, he loves me. He loves me not. And we, we're so spiritually confused, but there's no need to ever doubt God's love for you. The evidence of his love is the cross. God loves me. I believe that not only because my mama told me, but because the Bible says it so in so many different ways. You got to apply your faith to what the word of God is telling you. The most profound statement for Karl Barth was Jesus loved me for this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And this love can never be taken away. It is forever ours. No one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Now, I love what verse 30 says, for those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. I mean, just think about all the benefits and blessings that we have received and we will receive by becoming a child of God, by being a part of his family. I mean, these are great things, things like our election, justification, our faith, our salvation, our glorification, life eternal, heaven, our incredible relationship with Christ. All things that God in grace gave to us, it says that can never ever be taken away from us, right? Romans 8, um, 37 to 39 says this, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, some of the things we just talked about, like, you know, election, justification, salvation, glorification, like, what does that mean? Some of you, you're not sure, what does that mean? And, and that's another message for another day, if Pastor John will have me come back and teach about theology. But I just want you to know, trust me, those are great things. Those are incredible benefits that we receive um, because of God's grace as being part of his family. And I just want you to know that in Christ, the good things that we receive cannot be taken away from us. In Christ, the good things we have received that we have inherited cannot be taken away from us. We are eternally secure. You know, I have a younger sister. I, I kind of mentioned her. Her name is Olivia. Her name is Olive. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I don't know why, but she would always lose things, you know. And, and so um, she would always lose things and she would always come to my locker, at, you know, in, in high school. And she would say, you know, um, big brother, big brother. You know, she would say, Opa, Opa, which is big brother, big brother. Uh, I lost my lunch money. And I'd be like, what? Again? Like that would happen. Like it seemed like at least once or twice a week and you lost your money. And so I would have to give her money right away, shoo her away, because as an upperclassman, I couldn't be seen with my younger sister, lower classman. That just wasn't cool. So I would shoo her away and stuff like that. And there are many times when I would come home and she would be sitting on our front porch because why? She would lose the house key. <laughs> and my dad would be so frustrated because like, why does your younger sister always lose things, right? And I'm like, I don't know. She ended up marrying one of my best friends. Uh, he's a pastor too in Orlando, Florida. His name is Pastor David Larry, and uh, he's one of my closest friends. And so, you know, uh, uh, I introduced them and they got married. And, and when they got married, after a few months, Pastor David Larry would call me and say, hey, hey, uh, you know, uh, how are you? And he goes, hey, I got a quick question. Why does your sister, my wife now, uh, why does she keep losing things? And I go, oh, she, that's just something she does. You can't divorce her. You're a Christian, right? <laughs> and so and he was like, what? <laughs> and to this day, you know, she still loses things a lot. I, I don't know what it is. It might be part of her, you know, uh, just her, um, just her thing. Right? I don't know. But here's the thing. My wife, Virginia, also loses things. So she keeps losing her wallet and things like that. And so I got so stressed out. I got her. Uh, one, uh, one day I got her this thing called the tile tracking device, I know, and then she lost the tracking device, 
<laughs> and so, uh, anyways, the whole point is, listen, uh, you know, in this world, we can lose a lot of things, can't we? Uh, we can lose a lot of things, right? We can. Uh, people can take away our money, our possessions. People can take away our jobs, our, our securities. Uh, we can lose our fame. We can lose our reputation, especially in, in the midst of this pandemic. We can lose our, uh, our health. My father-in-law is uh, losing his memory, beginning Alzheimer's. He's losing his memory fast. Uh, people can even take away your rights, your freedom, your, your family. You can even lose your very life in some parts of the world because of your faith. You know, not just, the, not just people, but the world, this pandemic can really expose us to what we truly live for, what we truly depend on in life. But listen, the real important things, lasting things, things that are eternal, like our faith, our salvation, our joy, and our divine peace that comes from above, our love for Jesus, these things no one can snatch away. That, my friends, is an awesome promise, isn't it? And the last promise is this, and I'll end with this, is that for those who love Jesus, you know, we know that all things will turn out for good. It's all, it's all good, and the spiritual benefit can never be taken away. It's forever ours. And the last thing is this, is that it's going to be, it's going to get better. It is going to get better. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Uh, Romans 8.30, again, says this, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The day of ultimate final redemption will come. That's what that, that, that verse is saying. What's the day of redemption? It's a, a future thing. It doesn't have to do with the past. It's not looking at the day in which we, you know, we got redeemed. It's not talking about justification. It's talking about glorification. It's, 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 you know, it's talking about looking to the future and looking to the ultimate day of redemption, the utter redemption that's supposed to happen. The redemption of your souls, the redemption of your bodies, redemption of the universe, redemption of everything uh, spiritually, socially, culturally, physically. On the day of redemption, everything broken will be uh, repaired. Everything good that was lost will be recovered. Uh, everything sad will be untrue. You know, many years ago, um, it was so long ago, but I'm sure you've watched it. You know, Mel Gibson's, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, right? And when the movie came out, um, some of the guys at my church and I, we all decided, it was like six of us, we went to see the movie together. And we took up like, you know, a whole role pretty much. And, and we watched the Mel Gibson's, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And, and obviously, you know, um, the movie was so uh powerful and um, the imagery is so real but one of the most powerful moments for me my favorite scene from that movie from the passion of the christ there's this one moment when you know uh, when i completely lost it and that was when jesus is carrying the cross to Golgotha, and and you know mary his mother uh, is you know in the alleyway and she sees jesus her son carrying the cross and he falls uh, down under the weight of the cross. By this time, you know, he had been beaten. The, the, the crown of thorns smashed down into his uh, head and, and, you know, and he falls down on the weight of the cross. And, and his mother, Mary, just remembers how Jesus was a boy and would run to her and, and, she, and he falls down. And just as a motherly instinct, she knows to run to him. So she runs to Jesus and falls near to him and their eyes meet. And he tells her in the midst of agony and pain, he says, see, mother, how I am making all things new. I am making all things new. You see, Christ makes all things new. And it will be fully realized come that day of glory. You know, another way of saying that, friends, is that uh, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We, we're going to be glorified. Do you know what that means? You know, we're going to receive new and perfected bodies. You know, I don't know about you, but when I get to glory, you know, my body, I'm going to have a, an A-pack. You know, my muscles will have muscles. 
Pastor Jung and I will have a full set of hair. <laughs> you know, it's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to be like six foot four. You know, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that, if that's going to be the case, but we'll enter into glory, into the new and perfected church. We're going to receive his full inheritance. No more confusion, no more suffering, no more pain, no more cancer, no more tears, no more death. And we're going to see our Savior face to face. Verse 18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Glory revealed in us? Yes! The best is yet to come. It's going to get better. It's like going to your you know, favorite restaurant, you know, and, and like, it's like they bring out better dishes, right? Like more and more, right? When I lived that, when I was in college, I would come home and, and my, my home was two hours away from the campus. And I would call my mom over the weekend and say, hey, it's Friday, mom, I'm coming home for the weekend. And my mom would be, you know, because she loves me. She said, okay, I'm good. What time are you coming? I'm going to prepare your favorite meals. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. And so I would get home and my mom would start off with these. My mom is a wonderful cook. She would start off with these dumplings. And, and she called it um, yucky, yucky mandu, which is like a yucky dumplings. And I don't know why it was yucky, but it was so yummy, right? That was the appetizer. And then as I was eating that, my, my mom would say, Justin, you wait, you wait. And, and she said, I'm bringing out spicy rice cakes called tteokbokki, which is a Korean spicy rice cake. And she said, I'm making that right now. And I'm like, oh, mom, thank you so much. As I'm chowing that, and then she would bring out the better dish, tteokbokki. Uh, and then she would say, you know, don't you wait, uh, you know, just you wait, Justin. And she's like cooking up, you know, this, uh, you know, this Korean garbi, you know, and I'm like, oh, mom. And then it's like, it'd be better and better and better, right? And that's like, you know, as silly as that illustration is, what I'm telling you is that the best is still yet to come. I know that maybe you're going through a tough season. Maybe you are going through a very tough season. You are in the midst of a crazy storm. But I want you to know that, that remember from yesterday, that storm is just temporary if you are in Christ. And you got to know that still, that the benefit, that all things, it's, that's going to, God's going to turn it for your good. And not only that, it's forever ours, the things that you already have in Christ. And it's, it's the best is still yet to come. And sometimes you think worshiping God together is great. Well, you wait until you get to glory, right? You think his presence is sweet right now. You think being amongst uh, one another is great. You think marriage is great. Well, wait until you see the, the consummation of the ultimate marriage, right? There's nothing compared. You know, I love God's creation. I love going to the Grand Canyon. I, you know, I've been to some beautiful places, Banff and Yosemite and the, the Pacific Ocean, Laguna Beach is only 15 minutes from me. And I love going out there. And, and, but I, I want you to know that all of those things will pale in comparison, comparison to what you're going to see in glory. You know, one of the, the greatest day um, for my wife was when she was getting married to me. <laughs> <laughs> or the other way around, right? When I was at the altar and I saw those double doors open up and I saw Virginia walking down and I saw her, I was like, wow. And then I saw her dad, I was like, oh, scared. And then, but I saw my wife coming down and I was like, this is amazing. And the Bible says, the best, you just wait because the best is still yet to come. That marriage is just only a picture or a portrait of the ultimate marriage that you're going to experience with God, the Father. As I say some final things, but I want you to know, you see, these are some great promises. It is, it's all good. It's forever ours and it's going to get better. But it's important that you realize that these great promises are not for everybody. So we have to love people and reach out to people because what Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, Right. Number one, who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. So in, when you think about that, these promises are not for everyone. In other words, if you don't love Jesus, you cannot claim these promises. If you don't love God and have been called according to his purpose, which is receiving his love and grace through faith in Christ. If you are not saved, which is God's desire for people, you cannot claim these promises. These promises are not for you. Instead, all things will not work for your good. The good things that you have right now will be taken away from you. And the best is not yet to come, but rather the worst. 
eternal separation from the king of love. See, we need to love God. And if you want to, you know, I don't know where you are today, this evening, Covenant Life Church, those of you who are on this worship, you know, meeting with us and at this retreat. And, but if you don't love God, if you haven't given your life to Christ, don't delay. Give your life to God today. Don't wait. There's a statement that someone said to me, those who wait till midnight to give their life to God, they die at 1130. Why wait? What's the delay? You know, John 14, 6, you know, says, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He doesn't say, I am one of many ways, one of many truths, one of many life. He says, I am the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way. And I implore you to give your life to Christ. Offer him your heart. Pray that prayer. But if you are a Christian, if you are a a child of God, if you're giving your life to Christ and you are a Christian this evening, then, that, then, you know, that God, then this promises for you that you can believe in this, that God is a great promise giver and he is faithful to keep them. You know, some of these verses, I'm not, I don't have it on my, on my screen, but um, I think about like, uh, you know, Romans 10, uh, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our uh, hope without wavering, um, for he who promises is faithful, right? And uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty, for all the promises of God are, uh, I think it says, are yes in him. That's, it's all the promises of God are yes in him. And, and so, and that's why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so all that to say, when a promise is given, it is, um, it is God is faithful to fulfill them. God, the one true promise keeper, always keeps his promises. Covenant life church, we worship. Do you know that we worship and serve a covenant making, covenant keeping God? I mean, your name is covenant life church. Do you believe and do you live out the promises of God in your life? He is worthy of our trust. God's promises throughout history are the foundation of your relationship, and it could be the impetus for you to continually persevere and to fight the laziness of your spirituality, to fight the addictions of your heart, and to persevere and to endure and to seek an intimate relationship with Christ. Remember, this promise is not for everyone. It's a radical call upon the church to reach people with the gospel. So even, even in this season, you can still be a missionary or evangelistic-minded church. You know, your campus at University of Minnesota is your mission field. When I was at campus as a student, my statement, my vision statement was before the cap and gown, before the cap and gown, that every student at James Madison University would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was my vision, that before I graduate, that my, my striving would be that all the students on my campus would hear through the gospel of Christ. Let me encourage you and remind you I think there, there has to be a response to this message. What are you going to do? All things work for good. And if you're here today and you sit as a child of God, then Romans 28 should be a mighty battle cry, right? If all things work for my good, then I, I cannot ultimately be defeated in the cause of Christ. I should not be afraid. I should not be concerned. It's a call to go to hard places, to do hard things in the cause of love, to take risks, to live radically, and to with reckless abandonment. It's a call to spend your one life because that's all you've got. You know, your lives are not like a video game where you can reset, you know, push the reset button. You're not a cat that has nine lives, right? You have one life to live and why waste it? You know, you have one life to spend for Christ and his kingdom. My youngest son, his name is Maximus. People ask us, why did you name Maximus? Because in that season, our, our division for our family, we have a vision statement. You know, we named them for two reasons because number one, I love the movie Gladiator and Maximus was a great character. And so I renamed him Maximus. And then, and our vision as a family is literally to maximize our lives for Jesus Christ. And that's our prayer for Max, that he would max out, you know, however long he has on the earth, that he would go all in and all out, that he would max out for God. So we named him Maximus. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he maxed out. Right? He went all in and all out for us. God had a plan to use even the, the death, his own death, 
uh, the death of his son, his one and only son for our good, for our redemption. All things God work for the good of those who love him. The future is uncertain. We may experience even more hardships, setbacks, times of pain. You may get sick from COVID. You may lose your job because of the pandemic. Persecution might even happen because of your faith. We may even you know, lose all the things that are dear to us. But if God is for us, man, who can be against us? All things will turn for good. Nothing and no one can take away our inheritance. And the best is indeed yet to come. Let me close this in a word of prayer. And Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for um, your word. Your word is just full, not just chapter 8 in Romans. Your word is full of covenant promises. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We can trust in you. We can trust in you, your ways, and in your word. And I pray for my friends tonight that you would, Lord, encourage them and bless them. And that you would remind us, all of us, Lord God, that, that your promises are sure. And that your promises can breathe, indeed, uh, life into us, Lord God. Your covenant promises. Father, may we remember these promises, not forget them, and live them out. And let it be a source of power and joy and peace. We can still be full of joy and peace, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of sorrow. We can still be at peace and still have divine joy because our joy and peace is not circumstantial. Our happiness is, is dependent upon happenings, but our joy and peace goes beyond those things. It comes from knowing you, from having a, a, a real life-giving relationship with you and knowing your promises are real. You're faithful. May we Believe with all of our might the promises of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.